Oh shit, it's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip. Two sides of a coin. I choose a player prop for the upcoming Thursday night game, and uh, Tarek and Trey debate each side. Trey's stuck on the runway in Boston right now, so John, why don't you call a coin? I'm calling Tails. Tails. All right, I got this cool Texas bottle cap coin that I, uh, oh, I have right. no idea where I got this thing. That's literally a bottle cap. That's yeah, not a coin. It is, but it has two sides, just like a coin. <laughs> it's Tails. Uh, I'm taking the ball. Give me the ball. Taking the ball. All right. John, we got a player prop. Cooper Cup. Uh, the game is the Rams versus the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. Looks like a great game. I'm actually pretty excited about that. But uh, Cooper Cup's over under 85 and a half yards. You cannot call the push. Uh, Darn last it. week, Last week, uh, he put up 64 yards receiving. But the three weeks before that, 96, 163, and 108. Are you going over or under 85 and a half yards? 85 and a half. I am going to take the over on that for sure. He hasn't had a single game yet this year with less than 10 targets. I don't expect that to change at all. Uh, he's had over, he's had nearly 100 yards and uh, he's had over or nearly 100 yards in three out of the four games. I think this is an easy, easy over against the Seahawks. You know what, John? Usually, you know, I've said it before, I like the overs, but I like the under on this. And that's because I'm going with the squeaky wheel here, getting the, gre the grease. And uh, that's Robert Woods. So I think Sean McVay follows through on his promise to get Robert Woods more involved this week. I also think Jamal Adams probably going to tease over to Cooper Cup's side because he's been the uh you know the most targeted man in the fucking nfl over the last four weeks um so yeah uh give me the under give me a big game from robert woods here yeah and it's really it's really good that mcveigh's throwing the football to robert woods in this game too <laughs> well woods is over under is only 58 and a half so if you're expecting a big game maybe you should put some muh on that Tarek. What I heard on the grapevine is that Robert Woods started eating breakfast with Matthew Stafford. So, you know, wheels up. Well, the real question here is, well, what are they eating? Let's uh, tune in next week. I don't know. I was definitely making that up. So, <laughs> oh, know. I was hoping it was like Seagull or something, like just re getting ready for this matchup here. Eating a... nice piece of grilled Seahawk. No, no, Seagull, man. Just, just fuck it all up. What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I am your host, Tarek Angry T. Benchria. With me, not per use, John Alexander and Mitch Yates. Trey Cryan, always stuck on that runway in Boston. Mitch, what's going on, man? What's up? What's up, guys? Uh, weekly SMU update. They're ranked number 24. Uh, Jordan had two solid grabs last game. Love to see it. But guys, I cannot wait until we are done recording so I can go back and finish Squid Game. Listen, if y'all haven't seen it, you should. And if you don't like it, it's because you're wrong. So honestly, if you have kids at home, they'd love it too. Great for the whole family. Just like the Long Game <laughs> Dynasty podcast, baby. Got that little E next to our name for explicitly <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Hope you're listening to it with your kids in the car. Yeah. Yeah, uh, as always, rooting for uh, Jordan out there with SMU. That's dope that they're in the top 25 now. Uh, they've been looking good. So, yeah, keep it up. John, what's going on with you? Uh, you know, I, I just want to start by congratulating Mitch for managing to uh, say two solid grabs without referencing Urban Meyer. So congratulations on that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, secondly... Uh, <laughs> Bruh. <laughs> uh, secondly, I want to talk about a college player that I've been uh, that that came to my attention only recently. Uh, if I was to say to you, "Hey, who do you think is the leading receiver in all of college football?" you might guess guys like I've talked about before, maybe Wilson from Ohio, Ohio State, maybe Traylon Burks, but no, it's actually a guy who just came on my radar a couple of weeks ago, and that's Drake London from USC. Um, Drake London has 
670 yards receiving. He's a 6'5 guy. Uh, he's a fast guy, and he's been playing on the outside this year after playing behind Pittman two years ago and Amon Ross St. Brown last year. This guy looks legit. Uh, he's a guy who's moving up my radar uh, for a team. Uh, he looks like the best part of USC, a team that's like experienced a lot of turmoil. They fired their coach. So keep your eye on Drake London. He looks, he looks like the real deal to me. Certified lover boy, Drake London. Did y'all catch that reference? I, I did. It was a good album. <laughs> it was all right. <laughs> okay, thank you for that, John. Appreciate that. Keep your eye on the USC receiver. Hey, man, USC Renaissance. For a while, I feel like USC was was like chock full of disappointment receivers. But with Michael Pittman showing out over the first part of this season, you know, maybe Amon Ross St. Brown had a few uh, nice little moments. And here we got Drake London. So, you know, turning things around. Oh, I forgot about Juju. Hey. USC wide receiver you. Juju, of course. Yeah, he had, there we go. He had two catches for like eleven yards last week. <laughs> yeah. Solid. Yeah. Oh, Ben Roethlisberger. All right, y'all. So this week we are not gonna go game by game like we have been the last couple of weeks because you know without Trey just doesn't feel the same. So instead we're just gonna do two insights each um, from me, Mitch, and John. Relating to dominating your dynasty league. What else? So let's kick off this first half. And John, we're starting with you. What is your first insight from week four? You all know it's October now. And at the end of this month is Halloween. I'm getting a little scared over here. Um, and the person I'm scared about is Alvin Kamara. And I think Alvin Kamara is on the verge of losing his title as a top tier running back. When I say top tier, I mean first round pick in a dynasty startup. I'm actively trying to move him before the market catches up to the idea that he is not the same running back that he was from 2017 to 2020. The reason I'm saying that is because his role has fundamentally changed in New Orleans. The last four years, he averaged 6.8 targets per game. That's a big deal with running backs. We like that receiving upside. He hasn't reached that mark at all this season. Four targets, six targets, four targets in weeks one through three, and then zero targets in this most recent week. Couple that with his 3.8 yards per rushing attempt, which is below his career average of just under five yards per carry, and zero rushing touchdowns. And we're talking about maybe the end of the reign of Alvin Kamara as a running back one. Uh, He's never hit 1,000 yards rushing, which seems to be his primary role in this offense. He has very little receiving upside now. This is the kind of running back we cannot consider a top-tier dynasty asset. So... Look, I know that you probably took him in the first round of your dynasty uh, startup. I know I did in several startups. Um, And you can wait and see if this is going to change. But those who want to wait and see if his role changes are risking having the value of a dynasty running back to rather than a round one startup asset. So the issue here, I think, is the loss of Joe Lombardi. Uh, Joe Lombardi fed uh, Alvin Kamara targets with New Orleans, and now he's in L.A., and guess who's now getting a lot of targets and looks like a very top-tier running back, and that's Austin Eckler. So I don't know. Uh, I, I'm, I'm worried, and I'm actively trying to pivot away from Alvin Kamara myself. Yeah, John, in uh, one of our PPR Superflex leagues that we're in together, you backed this up today and traded Alvin Kamara for Austin Eckler straight up, um, which, you know, I hear what you're saying here. Uh, I will say that I profoundly disagree with it. Um, you know, I, it's been concerning. I saw a tweet by Pat Fitzmorris just about an hour or two ago that Alvin Kamara was just a glitzier Mike Davis, which was uh, very oh, triggering uh, no to thanks. read. Yeah. Um, but look, Alvin Kamara is, you know, a couple months younger than Austin Eckler. They have similar roles in their offense. And, you know, I, I can see Austin Eckler has demonstrated that ceiling uh, specifically uh, in their last game against the Raiders. He was just fantastic. I just think Alvin Kamara is still very good. And when it comes to, you know, his yards per carry and his targets per game, you know, I hear you with Joe Lombardi, but I think that Sean Payton Uh, has shown that whenever Alvin Kamara gets in a little bit of a rut, whether that's because, you know, Taysom Hill comes in at quarterback or Teddy Bridgewater or whatever, 
it after a couple of games, they will eventually figure it out. And because of Alvin Kamara's talent, he's still only 26 years old, you know, which he's approaching that age cliff, but this is his prime right now. Um, he's not somebody that I'm looking to get off of. I mean, you know, if you're in a rebuild and you can, you know, go uh, get off of him for somebody like Javante Williams and, you know, a high second round pick or something like that, then okay. But um, I'm I'm just not panicking yet. I think I think it's all going to come up Millhouse for Alvin Kamara. Yeah, guys, I I don't know. At, when, at first blush, when I read this, John, I was like, yeah, okay, buddy. But when you when you talked about it, I'm leaning. I'm hedging. Is what I'm doing because, like, the four and six and four targets that he got in the first three games, and then zero targets in the fourth game is concerning and. At first, I thought it might be a Jameis thing. We talked about this over the summer. Maybe Jameis wouldn't target him because that's not really his style. Uh, he'd rather throw it to the other team or whatever. Um, <laughs> and so, like, you know, I, I think what Tarek said, though, I believe he's going to get game planned a little bit more in the receiving game because he is a weapon. And last year, that Christmas game, he did his work on the ground for the most part. Right. So, like, he has the ability to do that. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride this out a little bit longer, and I think you're right, John. If I wrote this out and was incorrect, then so be it. But I don't think that writing it out is the wrong decision. Yeah, and I will just say, at least they're still really trying to get him involved, right? Right. Three of his four games this year, he's gotten uh, above 20 rushing attempts, which I believe are three of the four highest amount of rushing attempts he's had in his entire career. Now, I can see why that could be concerning because Alvin Kamara makes his hay in the receiving game and you want to see him get more than zero targets, even if you sacrifice eight to 10 of those rushing attempts because that's where he does his best work. But I think what giving him 20 plus rushes over the last you know three of the four weeks means is that they're still very invested in getting him involved. And I think they just... They just need a little bit of time to adjust to a post-Drew Brees era. The last thing I take away from what John said there is that I feel like Kamara has almost lost that ceiling. And that might be taken away from his number one or first round pick status because Mm. sure, he's getting still that volume in, in the running game. But like, I don't know, his ceiling is pretty freaking high, right? Like he's putting up game winning, season winning game sometimes and i don't know if he's going to do that this year without the without the receiving i i would tend to agree with that i think the ceiling is still there but i think the floor is lower now and so let me be very clear about what i think here i don't think alvin kamara kamara is worth nothing i think that if his role has truly changed which i think there's enough evidence now to suggest that we can value him as a running back too which still has a lot of value in fantasy but it's a lot less value than a dynasty first round assets. So what I'm saying is if you can cash out now and get a running back to plus in return, that's something that I would definitely consider doing at this point. Yeah, John, look, I'm just mad that you traded with Corey and not me <laughs> in that league. Yeah, do you um, have him in any other leagues? That was the one I don't have him anywhere else now. That was <laughs> that was bad. the one place. That was the one place I had Kamara, yeah. All right, let us move on to our next Dynasty Insight, and that's going to come from your boy, Angry T. And that is, be patient with your Superflex shares of Zach Wilson. Look, over these first four games of his young career, he's been a second-half type of quarterback. Let me give you these splits. In the first half through week four, he's 25 of 50, 250 yards, zero touchdowns, and five picks. Ouch. Passer rating of 25. Extremely bad. Like, worst quarterback on the planet bad. So, you know, don't want to minimize that. But the second half through week four, 50 of 82, 618 yards, four touchdowns, three picks, rating of 85.3. You know, approaching average. The second half numbers aren't really blowing anyone away right now, but he really arrived in the second half of week four. And I know Mitch knows it 232 yards and two touchdowns and a rating of 129.4. Look, give me the guy who's showing on a weekly basis that he's progressing and he's settling into the game. And I'm hopeful that that starts manifesting in full performances because I believe in his talent. I think that. 
if you're a rebuilder, uh, I think it's completely legitimate to trade Jalen Hurts away for him. And I think that you can get something on top of Jalen Hurts because Jalen Hurts has shown that maybe he's not, you know, the greatest, most stable situation at the quarterback position in Dynasty, but no matter what, he's going to put up points. So a, a contender that may have Zach Wilson on their team, that's going to be really attractive to them. So just be patient with Zach Wilson and maybe even put out some feelers for him, although his price has certainly gone up after that performance in the second half of week four. Yeah, Tarek, you know that one hurt for me to watch. And when I was watching it, I, I had two emotions. One, like, God damn it, we're going to lose to New Jersey. And two, this kid's pretty good. He was incredible in the second half, and that wasn't his wide receivers bailing him out. He was throwing some incredible passes there, and you could see his confidence just growing as that second half went on. And that's the thing I see most in him is his confidence is growing. When he threw those, like, four picks against uh, the Patriots that game, like, they let him out there, and they let him, kept, or they let him keep dealing. And so, like... Unlike Sam Darnold and Adam Gaze, it looks like his confidence is growing through the, uh, the the rookie struggles that are expected for rookie quarterbacks usually. So yeah, be patient. I'm I'm still in. I like what I see, except you know last game. Yeah, that touchdown throw to Corey Davis was one of the best throws of the year so far. That was incredible. He enjoyed that revenge narrative. That <laughs> certainly gave us a glimpse of what he's capable of doing and i agree with mitch that we expect there to be some uh growing pains for rookie qbs i definitely agree with that my issue with zach wilson now is the same issue i had with him coming out of byu he's a he's a gunslinger and he's going for the touchdown basically every single uh every single play so i think what, what i'm getting right now are big drew lock 29 december 2019 vibes right now uh because december 2019 uh, Drew Locke was throwing the ball downfield. Uh, he looked great. It was the end of the season. Everybody was getting these really positive vibes. I, I'm getting the same thing here, but I think it, in his heart, Zach Wilson is going to be a gunslinger, gung and no matter how comfortable he is in the system, he's still going to have these interceptions. So I think he's going to be really good for your fantasy team. I don't disagree with that. My only question is, how long is he going to be an NFL quarterback? Because these it, these interceptions might not go away, and as long as he's playing, he's going to be good for fantasy. But the interceptions might cost him his job the same way Jameis Winston lost his job because of the interceptions. If he is going to be a high interception total type of guy, at least he's also like extremely athletic with his legs. Like what he's got going for him over somebody like Jameis Winston, Blake Bortles, um, Drew Locke is that his escapability in the pocket is, you know, Russell Wilson esque. So I think the Jets are invested in him to the point where he's going to have a very long leash. But I hear you like, it, you know, if he's a 30 and 30 guy year after year, like he's not going to stick around that long. You know, what's pretty crazy, though, guys, he only has 21 yards rushing so far. But I, yeah, I, yeah, the the rushing hasn't hasn't been there, but the escapability in the pocket has been there. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah, I agree um, with that. He definitely looks very athletic. I'll give you that for sure. So I'm I'm interested to see if the rushing becomes a baseline for him. But yeah, that's a really good point, Mitch. They haven't really used like you know the RPO type thing in 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 the offense yet. Right, and so to your point about interceptions, usually a quarterback with mobility can make up for those interceptions because 20 rushing yards is going to get you those points back for the pick. Right, but, right. But, you know, he hasn't done that yet. I fully believe he can. He looks quick. All right, uh, let's move on to our third insight before halftime. Mitch, what you got? Well, I wanted to jump into that Washington football team versus Atlanta Falcons game because that was one hell of an entertaining backyard-style YOLO bomb game from Hanky Panky to Scary Terry. But... Hey, yeah, I'm, really quick. Sorry, Taylor Heineke looking kind of like what we hope Zach Wilson will look like, honestly. Yeah, dude. He's been playing that backyard football. Oh, for yeah. real, yeah, definitely. But, uh, Sorry. But no, you're good. I I, I want to ask the real question that everybody in the fantasy community is wondering right now, and that is what in the actual fuck is going on with Cordero Patterson? Is he the elusive nine-year breakout league winner, or are we cashing out immediately? Or are we buying? And if we're buying, what's the price? But like, for real, 
what in the actual fuck is going on with Cordero Patterson? Like, at first, this looks like easy, right? Sell immediately. Sell him now. He he just had that incredible three-touchdown game to all of our dismay watching at home, just being like, just shaking our heads, blowing up our group threads. Uh, but let's take a let's take a jog down memory lane here. His best finish was in 2013, and it got much much worse after that. Like running back or wide receiver, who knows? Who cares? 49, 112, 41, 56, 49, 84, 64. And this year, well, he's third, I guess. RB three. Uh, but here's the big thing. Here's the big thing for him is that seven runs and seven targets. Like that is consistent. That's 14 touches a game and that is a big deal for any player especially one with a big playability like he has so clearly the tds are not sustainable but the usage looks like it's sustainable because the talent him surrounding him specifically mike davis mike davis is not commanding carries in my opinion so that's leaving those seven carries open that's leaving the door open for cordero patterson to take them and you know what two days ago i was patting myself on the back for netting two third round drafts picks uh <clears throat> sorry i'm sorry Two days ago, I was patting myself on the back for netting two third-round draft picks for Cordero, and now I'm sitting over here like, mm, I could have gotten more if I would have just waited one week. But I don't know. I guess my stance on him right now is if I got him, I'm probably keeping him if I'm contending. If I'm not, I am selling him to the highest bidder. But if I'm kind of in the middle, I, I don't know. I, I might be sitting around just watching this show go on. Do you guys think it'll happen all season? I think it might happen all season, but definitely not into next year. I don't know. What do you guys think? I think you're right about it not going into next year. Uh, Arthur Smith, and you you know better than anyone that he wants a guy like Derrick Henry, and Patterson is not Derrick Henry. Uh, I don't think that uh, he's going to be relevant next year, and if I'm a contender, yeah, I'm riding him out. And I, I wanted to come here and say, well, he's not a running back. He's got four receiving touchdowns. But you know who's got three receiving touchdowns? Aaron Jones. And we definitely think he's a running back. So maybe we just need to adjust our priors a little bit here and think that maybe Cord maybe Patterson is a running back, even though he's only got 27 rushing attempts. Yeah, I, I like the way Mitch framed it here, right? Because if the game plan for Cordero Patterson, forget about, you know, the low snap percentage if the game plan is something like 10 to 15 touches between receiving and rushing then we can pretty much expect him to at least continue giving us like serviceable starting numbers right because patterson has always been an extremely efficient player when he has the ball in his hands like literally you know, knocking on the Hall of Fame when it comes to return, you know, his return resume. So I, if we're accepting that 10 to 15 touches per game is the game plan for Cordero Patterson in Arthur Smith's offense, who I still believe in as a head coach, I, I think we can expect this to continue insofar as it'll be serviceable. It's definitely not going to be top five running back numbers, but it's going to be serviceable. So I agree with Mitch. It's worth riding him out if you're a contender, especially if you're only relying on him as like a second flex. Um, but if you're a rebuilder, I'm fine accepting a second round rookie pick for him. And I think if you're suffering from injuries and you're maybe one spot start away for a little bit to just keep you afloat, Cordero's another great option to just throw maybe, I don't know, dare I say a second round pick at him? I don't think you take less than that if he's on your squad. Like at this point, like I'd rather. But would just... you pay that? Would you pay that if you're a contender? It's tough. I might wait. I might wait till the trade deadline myself to make that decision because yeah, that's, you might that's not a pretty big commitment. To. Say, I mean, say you got a guy that went down. Say you're missing Monty for five weeks and you just don't have a running back start mm, starting yeah. in that. I'm just saying there are situations where he is a very valuable player. And another thing is over this nine year breakout uh career he's had uh he's <laughs> never been hurt not once like to miss a game anyway well that's because he's only been playing on special teams man that's the easiest place to get hurt man he's invincible <laughs> it's, look it's just it's so confounding because it's his ninth year in the league yeah. like yeah what i'm hoping is that you know jason garrett uh takes a page out of this playbook and utilizes Kadarius tony like arthur smith 
is uh, utilizing Cordero Patterson because I see them as very similar players. And and Tony showed that, man, he is a KG motherfucker when he's got the ball in his hands. <laughs> well, Jason Garrett loves calling good plays. What can I say, man? That's he, true. He and loves us- utilizing players correctly as well. Let's not <laughs> forget about that's that. That's his MO. Yeah, good point. All right, Mike Check. It is halftime. Nas, why did you do it? You know you got the mad fat fluid when you rhyme. It's halftime. As a reminder, uh, our halftime segment during the season is a parlay on four picks against the spread. So each of us pick a game against the spread. I and Illinois place a bet parlaying those picks. Last week, we were close, man. We went three and one. Um, You know, Trey's not here, but he told me to tell you, Mitch, don't fuck it up this week. Uh, (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. You know what? I'm the only one that got it wrong last week, but I was the only one that got it right the the two weeks ago so you know what maybe maybe we do this as a team maybe we all don't fuck it up right exactly right. i like it all right uh i will start with my pick against the spread and i'm i'm going for the thursday night game and uh it's rams at seattle minus two and a half and i'm taking the rams here i think the rams are going to win by a field goal i think the rams overall are a much better team than seattle It makes me feel a little bit queasy betting against Russell Wilson heroics in any given week, especially uh, at home with those 12s in CenturyLink. Um, But I I just think it's pretty easy to envision uh, Seattle losing by a field goal because they're not they may not have Chris Carson. Their defense is pretty bad. And I think uh, Matt Stafford and that offense and Sean McVay are going to be pretty pissed off of being embarrassed against Arizona. Give me the Rams by a field goal. All right, John, well, what's your pick? Well, speaking about uneasy feelings, I'm picking against Patrick Mahomes this week. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are at the bottom of their division right now. Uh, they don't necessarily look bad. They just haven't been good enough. And I think momentum is the name of the game here. And I, they're coming up with against a team that has a lot of momentum, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, the Chiefs are the favorite but because they're at home, but they got beat at home by the uh, Chargers just a couple of weeks ago. I'm riding the team with that's hot, that looks dominant. I'm going with Buffalo plus three against uh, KC on the road. I like it, John. Uh, I like it a lot, actually. It's I, bold, yeah. You know what? I, I'm into it. The Chiefs have not looked like the Chiefs quite yet, and the Bills have been rolling, so I'll take the points plus three. I'm into it, John. Thanks. I got the Mitch seal of approval. That's pretty great considering he lost us the parlay last week. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> All right, Mitch, what's your pick? I'm going to take John's Chargers. That way, uh, if I lose this one, uh, at least it's he my loses fault. too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm done betting for Tom Brady. Obviously, we should bet against him. That's uh, I, I know better. But no, I'm taking the Chargers <laughs> at home versus the Browns. Uh, the spread is minus one and a half. And I think they'll win by two or three. The Browns have a stellar defense, but the Chargers have shown me enough this year to put my money or <laughs> Tarek's money on them. So, you know what? Go Chargers. You know what? Like, if uh, Baker keeps overthrowing wide open OBJ, then yeah, this is the easiest pick in the book, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, kind of like what John said, I really like riding the hot team here and the Chargers are piping hot. So even though they're away, uh, I are. Oh, no, the Chargers are at home, yeah, which they're means home. they're away because SoFi Stadium is basically <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, an away game. But but no, I, I really do like the Chargers here. That, that's Pretty a good far pick. from Cleveland, though, so that works, too. Yeah, but the, hey, that dog pound, they, they roll deep. There are probably a lot of them in L.A. Probably. All right, so uh, Trey's pick, which he sent in to me just in the nick of time before we started recording, Mitch took John's Chargers and Trey's taken Mitch's Titans minus Mm. four and a half at Jacksonville. So we know that Mitch gets the stress farts when thinking about putting money on the Titans. But Mitch has also been known to say, yo, bet against Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah, that's true. For real. Dude, they're terrible. They are. Yeah. And, you know, back to what John said in the intro, like, uh, I think that Urban Meyer's got a, a handful to deal with when he's uh, playing against Derrick Henry. <laughs> yeah, a, uh, yeah, a big handful. <laughs> hey, Derek, I got one thing for the halftime, though. Say say we fuck it up this week because of your choice. Uh, why don't uh-huh. you pick another team since it's a Thursday game, just in case you wreck the parlay? You want to take? Oh, the... in case I wreck the parlay? On Thursday, we might Ooh. as well put something in. I know we talked about the Cardinals, but did you have a second pick? 
Man, my second pick was actually the Titans minus four and a half. But Ooh. hey, if if I wreck the parlay, I'll go ahead and put some money down on the Cardinals minus five and a half against the 49ers. I like it. Love it. All right. So through four weeks, uh, Mitch is three and one. I am three and one as well. And Trey and John are both two and two. That puts us overall at 10, 10 and six, which imputes about a 62.5 percent uh success rate so if we keep that up you know you can just call us sharps right tlg financial stop exactly. the count we're, we're there we're sharps already stop <laughs> the count yeah yeah you know what's interesting like three of four weeks tom brady and the bucks have not covered their spread kind of, that is kind interesting of interesting uh, i think they're minus 10 against miami this week so let's keep track of that i think because mitch has said you know never get bet against tom brady i think it would be a, a fun little side narrative I sounds like wait. we should do the opposite we should always bet against Bre- brady yeah well let's kick off this second half john we're going to you first what's your second dynasty insight my brother let's jump right back into jacksonville because this joke's not getting old yet uh uh, and this is actually uh, about lavisca chenault and i have been notorious on this pod as being the lowest on lavisca chenault um and i i've kind of a couple of weeks ago we were talking about him and we were talking about how we were a little concerned about him uh, just because of his usage. Well, right now, I think he's a buy for a contending team for the rest of this season. Uh, beyond that, beyond 2021 is murky. Here's here's the deal. Urban Meyer, we've joked about it, but it's pretty clear he's not bought in. or He's either not bought in or he does not know how to be an NFL coach. And on top of that, his team has just been bad. It's not been good. So there's controversy. His team's not buying in. And his play calling is just not great. So look, first quarter, Chark goes on IR on IR because of his ankle. And after that happened, LaVisca looked pretty good in the receiving game. I think what happened... He's a baller. It, what happened was uh, they were forced to cover... Uh, they put their best uh, cornerback on Marvin Jones and shut him down. He didn't look very good at all. And that left a lot of room for LaVisca to show out. And I think he did that. Uh, he's wide receiver 51 in PPR leagues right now, but... I think he's a solid uh, flex play the rest of this season uh, with Shark out for the remainder of the year and presumably Marvin Jones commanding the best cornerback for the rest of the season. So he's a buy for me if I'm a contending team, and I think he's a solid flex play. But beyond that, I'm not touching any of these guys. I think Urban Meyer is out the door. He might already be gone in all except an official capacity like they might be playing for the first pick overall right now, and they're well on their way to getting there. So I don't necessarily ex- expect Chenault to be anything in the next season or the season after that, because I think a new wow. coach is coming in with a new system. Now he could be, but he's a gadgety kind of guy, and he needs to be in a very specific system, and there's no guarantee that whoever's coming in, whatever system's coming in, he's going to fit into that system. So I think he's going to do really well the rest of this season. He's going to be a flex play for me. Uh, beyond that, I'm basically not touching any of the Jacksonville players aside from Trevor Lawrence, their first pick overall this season. He's the only guarantee on this team as far as I'm concerned going forward. Yeah. Uh, so John Alexander advocating for LaVisca Chenault to be a buy up is down. Uh, left is right. <laughs> That's right. You heard it here first. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I agree with this. I like LaVisca Chenault as a talent. I talked about it last week, ironically, when I was saying how concerned I was about LaVisca Chenault. But I think you're right. I think Chark getting hurt opens the door for him here. And I did say last week that if you still believe in Visca, his dip in value over the first couple of weeks represented a buy opportunity. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with this. Yeah, and I also think we said when we spoke about him last time is that if you have him, you're not really trying to get rid of them either though so mm-hmm. if i see a bunch of offers fly in i know as a as a visca manager that uh shark went down as well and i know that his value has increased so basically if i invested in him i think i mentioned that the sunk cost fallacy before well hey now it feels good now i know that he's going to be uh one of the top two wide receivers there so i, I this think season I'm, I th- yeah, this season. Um, and I think I'm holding, but like, dude, I-, I was never, never really excited about Urban. And when I think of a new regime coming in, I think of that as a good thing. I mean, it could be. It could be, but I think it's a dice roll. And so if I could move Visca into, if like I'm rebuilding and I can turn him into TMJ plus, 
I'm 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 Terrace I'm, Marshall Jr. Yeah, I'm know? definitely I'm definitely thinking about that. The only way that this coaching situation gets worse is if they decide to hire Adam Gaze, though. So uh, I'm tru- I'm trusting in another system more than how I'm trusting dare in you, How dare you speak that into existence? I'm a Titans fan, man. Let it happen. It's okay. <laughs> Just go sign him. Come on, Shad. Where you at? <laughs> I can't say that I have been following Adam Gase's high school coaching career very closely, but I hear he's doing poorly there as well. So. Um, hey, I just wanted to say really quickly, uh, I don't think we talked about this last week because it might have happened after we recorded the CJ Henderson and Dan Arnold swap. Hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I think this is good for Dan Arnold. They did not have a pass catching uh, tight end on that team. Um, and I I think this represents an opportunity for Dan Arnold to emerge as the number three option in a high volume passing game, which look, it's Jacksonville, but we're talking about tight ends here. So keep your eye on Dan Arnold. Yeah, he had a couple grabs. Yeah, I think yeah. that was a GM decision. I don't think that was an urban decision. And he like on one week, he looked good. Like he looked decent. Yeah. Like he looks yeah. like he's going to be a target in that offense. So yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Maybe try to get him in like, as like a throw in in a trade if you can. Especially or, tight end premium. Yeah, if you got him, you know, just ride the wave. But if you, like, printed up a bunch of shirts that said Darnold to Arnold, you can throw those away now. Yeah, set them on fire. Yeah, yeah, horrible investment, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move on to my second insight. And uh, Trey recently talked about the fall from grace for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And over the last two weeks, you know, we've gotten a little bit of a gif of the hand coming up from the ground for CEH. And look, the last two weeks might offer a solid selling opportunity for Edwards Alaire, but I think his value on the market will still dictate that you're probably going to hold for now. In most leagues, he's looked more explosive in addition to the better numbers, you know, fantasy wise. I think we can maybe attribute that to him getting over his high ankle sprain that he sustained in the preseason. Who knows? But his snap percentage is going down week by week. I think he was at 52% of the snaps this past week. Daryl Williams got a lot of red zone work. So I think over the last two weeks, we are seeing his ceiling, i.e. kind of a serviceable RB2 most weeks. And in the first two weeks, we saw his floor, which was pretty scary. If he's your flex play on your dynasty team, or he's like first off the bench, I think you ride him in that position you want RB2s producing those kinds of numbers in your flex. But if you're actively relying on him to be your running back two on a contender, I think you need to try your damnedest and kind of package him with another piece. For someone like Antonio Gibson, for instance, whose current volume with JD McKissick kind of vulturing big plays, those concerns might be depressing his value more than they should, in my opinion. And I think overall, Antonio Gibson is just a much better option than Clyde Edwards Alaire long term. What do y'all think? Yeah, if I'm in the Clyde business, I'm trying to get out. But those those two games that he just had, that, that's a great way to get out. So, yeah, like you did. I know uh, we talked about it two weeks ago. You you traded for Clyde. Now, two weeks later, you're trying to get out. I know you are. And as you should, you're trying to profit. Yeah, I was very transparent in that league's group chat. I said, I'm looking for a profit. So I paid a late first for Clyde. If I can get more than that, then I'll gladly flip because I'm a rebuilder in that league. Yeah, I love it, man. I'm kind of torn because I feel like the reason the Chiefs haven't been as successful this year is because of the running game. And I feel like if they made more of a commitment to that instead of uh, Patrick Mahomes be doing ridiculous Patrick Mahomes things all the time that they'd be more successful. And I feel like Andy Reid probably knows that as well. So I'm kind of more like wait and see, because I think maybe that the success of CEH will determine the success of the Chiefs. So if I can wait it out for a few more weeks, I'm willing to because they need to run the ball more. I think that's become apparent for the Chiefs. You think Patrick Mahomes' team needs to run the ball more, John? Well, they're in the cellar, man. They're it's one not... and three, right? Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I think they're two and two. Whatever. Same they're thing. zero and four. Same shit. But look, <laughs> I, I mentioned it when we talked about this last time. Reed loves his running backs when he has a good running back, and this to me looks like he does mm. not love Clyde. So with Damian Williams being involved more, that man, I, I can't get on board. Daryl Williams. Daryl. Yeah, Daryl. Daryl. D Williams. D Williams. Yeah. With him taking more looks like I, I, 
some part of me thinks that I maybe I've mentioned this before too, but the starting running back for the Chiefs may not be on the Chiefs right now. If that's really the concern, if they need to run the ball more, I don't think Clyde is the one they need to be running more. Yeah, interesting. I mean, Clyde's not very fast, but he's very quick. So I think part of the issue was he lost some of that quickness with that high ankle sprain. I also think they weren't necessarily using him to maximize his talent, which they have been over the last two weeks. But, you know, like I said, I think what we've seen over the last two weeks is his ceiling. So you should not expect that every week. You should probably expect somewhere between what we saw the first two weeks and what you saw the last two weeks. So I think that's fair. Yeah, it remains to be seen. All right, Mizzo, what you got? I got AJ Dillon. So we watched the Steelers Packers game. And uh, what I could take away from that is both running backs, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, both had 15 rushes. And I just kind of wanted to clarify what that box score meant to me. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this is still Aaron Jones's backfield, first and foremost. But this I love as far as A.J. Dillon goes. So I'm suggesting that he is still a buy target of mine, somebody to keep an eye on. And he's right where he should be, in my opinion, as far as like trajectory goes. So A.J. Dillon had 81 yards on his 15 carries. Aaron Jones had 48 yards on his 15 carries. Dillon had one catch for 16 yards. Jones had three catches for 51. But realistically, Jones was the man. Um, he His catches, he was explosive. Uh, Aaron Rodgers looked for him in a long fade on third and 10 in the end zone. Yeah, um, he's and, still dealing with an ankle injury, too. So still looking explosive, but he's he's hurting. This is still his backfield. But this reminds me, just like the early stages of Derrick Henry's career with DeMarco Murray in front of him, DeMarco was mm. established as the bell cow, good in the passing game, just a complete back. And that's what Aaron Jones is. And it took Henry two and a half years to do anything fantasy relevant. But he had those pop weeks like we saw from A.J. Dillon this week. And that just reminds me of what he can do if he's given the lion's share of the workload. And so Aaron Jones, like I said, still his backfield barring injury. Aaron Jones, right where he should be. He's running back five. Uh, But meanwhile, keep trade cut has A.J. Dillon at running back 31 behind Trey Sermon, ahead of Michael Carter, Damian Harris, Zach Moss. And he's actually dropped four spots over the last six months. So the dip has been steady over the or after the summer during the start of the season because of Jones's 69% snap rate. So with all the other pieces uncertain in Green Bay in 2022, and that means like Aaron Rodgers, uh, Devontae Adams, all that stuff, the one piece that I'm certain about is A.J. Dillon because uh, Aaron Jones has that option out in 2023 after next season, and I just think A.J. is where he should be. And so if I'm planning for next year, like, his his price is dropping just in that area where I'm trying to scoop him up. And I think that window is going to last a couple of weeks, but I would just get in the ear of the AJD manager and get in on this now while the price is where it is. Did did you just say AJ Dillon is above Michael Carter on keep trade cut right I now? I did. I did. Wow. Okay, so I'm going to just tell our listeners, if you have AJ Dillon, go trade for Michael Carter straight up <laughs> right now. Right now. The only reason AJ Dillon did anything is because they were they were winning in a blowout and they not pulled true. out. That okay. was not actually the game script. No, uh, AJ Dillon was involved in the first half. Um, he had several good uh, first down carries um, and th- it wasn't even really a blowout. The The score was, it, it was a competitive game up until the fourth quarter. And oh, AJ Dillon okay. had a lot of good long carries and first down conversions. He wasn't well, involved. Okay, well, I I still view AJ Dillon as a handcuff because he is by definition a handcuff. Oh, and Michael Michael Carter passed a fifty percent snap rate uh, for the first time this this season. I think he's got an upward trajectory. I think his ceiling is much higher than AJ Dillon's right now, just because he's not a handcuff. Uh, so if I can make that trade straight up today, I, I, that's that's a no brainer for me. But admittedly, I don't have any AJ Dillon because I've been so low on him in the past. If AJ Dillon. Uh, is on that Derrick Henry track, um, which, you know, is easy to say because they're similar builds. Um, But I I hear what Mitch is saying here. If he is on that track, then wouldn't you say like right now isn't necessarily or or wouldn't you say that you kind of have like a year to buy A.J. Dillon at least? Right. Well, not necessarily, because we don't know when the Aaron Jones party comes to an end. 
it could come to a premature end and you have your guy in waiting right there. So like, yeah, I mean, that would be a bet on injury, I think. And I I don't like doing that, but I like, I like where he is going. And so, yeah, I would rather have him sooner than later, but I did say, I think the window is a little bit wider. Uh, There is a little bit of time, but uh, yeah, he's going to have some, some less, some weeks with less touches coming up. So that 15 touch game is an anomaly. I like to just see those pop games is what I was saying. Right, right, right. So maybe the advice here is like Mitch said, kind of keep in the ear of the AJ Dillon manager. So when he strings together three or four games where he's not really popping, you're buying at that price, fully expecting that you're not getting the AJ Dillon to Derrick Henry experience for another year, but because you got such a good price, you can afford to kind of sit on that. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Absolutely. And we know that John is not a believer in AJ Dillon whatsoever. So he he had his opportunity, but they, they extended Aaron Jones. He's a handcuff guys. Like you, you shouldn't pay more than handcuff prices. Say what you will about PFF grades, but right now he is leading all second year running backs in pro football focus grading. And John, he is a handcuff and so was Henry. And I'm not saying that AJ Dillon is Derek Henry. I'm just saying they are grooming him along in this offense and he is getting better. He's improving and I like where mm-hmm. he's at. You know, um, I think that he will be ready when his time comes. And I don't think that's going to be this year. Very, very much Aaron Jones season. But if you're going for next year, he's my guy. All right. So uh, that's going to do it kind of for the longer form insights. But what I want to do in this last part of the show is just go one by one and give little one liners uh, from each of us. So I will start insight sell Zach Moss for whatever his touchdown streak will get you. You know, Zach Moss ain't shit. Yeah. <laughs> Running backs in the in in Buffalo ain't shit. This is not real. Mitch, what you got? You know who else ain't shit? Man, Miles Gaskin. That gas can is empty. And, uh, you know, I was a little high on him, and uh, I think I was just a little high on the gas coming out of that gas can. Oh, you <laughs> inhaling those fumes. Oh. John, give us a one-liner. Hey, did you hear Justin Fields? He's the starter now. Uh, Darnell Mooney and Justin Fields have established a solid rapport. Great news <laughs> for Mooney. Not so great for A-Rob. Ooh, that's... Hot take. Man, Randy Dalton, his time is... Oh, his time is done. <laughs> QB once upon a time. QB once upon a time. All right, I got another one for y'all guys. Diami Brown, he's about to see a dip in value with Curtis Samuel working back in. I also think Diami is currently dealing with a knee injury. Probably is a good time to kind of float out some offers for Diami Brown. I still think he's good. I still think he is going to out snap uh adam humphreys eventually <laughs> eventually hopefully <laughs> solid commitment there take, take down the mighty adam humphreys go trade Kadarius tony for diami brown Ooh, hot take. there it is uh i would rather have dj dallas than alex collins whoa <laughs> I, I mean it man i am so glad alex collins came back because man that guy sucks and <laughs> look, dude look at all of his previous uh previous seasons in his games he has these games or we'll put up like a double digit and he is going to disappear right afterwards he's gonna fumble the ball like two or three times and then i think he took a whole year off at like 2019 oh man i can't wait for this story to just uh repeat again john i don't know if you know this but alex collins is really into irish river dancing <laughs> john what do you got next uh hey we may not need to wait as I have suggested, until 2022 for the Van Jefferson party, after all. Same number of targets as Bobby Trees the last two weeks. But hey, like you said, good thing Sean McVay's the quarterback, and he's going to throw it more to Bobby Trees. All right. Another little insight here, and it's it's not about a specific player, but we are going to be coming up on peak tilt trade season here in the next few weeks. Like we've said before, be the first one to the party. That means those guys that you're interested in that are on teams that are starting to be 0-3, 0-4, 1-3, get in their ear about those players right now because you'll be the first one they talk to when they finally tilt trade. Mitch, what's next? Jared Cook is my new tight end, my old new tight end that's going to be coming up on, the, uh, on my top 10 tight ends because he caught that ball with his bicep. He made some diving catches. Jared Cook's back, baby. 
back to the back to when the Titans drafted him ten years ago and Jeff Fisher killed him. <laughs> John, you got another one in you? Hey, speaking of tight ends, Max Williams is currently tight end thirteen through four games. Not saying you should go buy him. Nothing to be excited about, but. We did say over the summer there are no rosterable tight ends from Arizona. Turns out, Max Williams, rosterable. Yeah, I like Max Williams. Kyle Pitts, top six in every meaningful peripheral category, air yards, targets, target share among the tight ends. The Kyle Pitts breakout is coming. Never fret, Mitch. Yeah, so I know I talked a lot of shit on Ben Roethlisberger last week, but I did actually read that he was with Vince Young recently learning the old uh, bounce pass, and uh, I saw a lot of that uh, for Juju last week, so he's getting better at it. Maybe that's how he's going to get through his arm arm issues. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure Vince Young is the guy. Hey, man. <laughs> for the, sure. He is he the sh- answer. The old bounce pass, man. That His famous screen pass technique. All right, Mitch, I have to go back uh, to you referencing uh, Matt Nagy and (laughs) Alan Robinson and Darnell Mooney. I I, I was let me just tell the listeners a story to close out. I was getting off uh, the red line here in Chicago, the train, and I see this advertisement about employment opportunities at McDonald's. And who is the face of that advertisement other than head coach of the Chicago Bears Matt Nagy. And I think that was just beautiful because a couple days later, we got the news. Matt Nagy announced that the front office officially told him to shut the fuck up about Andy Dalton. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Justin Fields is the starter moving forward. Praise be. Oh, man. Look at those employee opportunities. He's going to coin his sandwich. It's going to be the McNaggy with cheese. The McNaggy with cheese. Yeah, him and him and Roethlisberger, they're going to start a franchise. It's going to be called toast burger and all those burgers are gonna be well done and fucking awful dude all on toast patty melts 100 <laughs> percent, and sesame seeds and the only thing you'll get is a fork and you just just stick it in there you don't get anything else no napkins no knives no stick a fork in it you have to eat the toast burger with a fork and you can't leave till you eat it <laughs> all right thanks for Pro- tuning in to the end folks <laughs> Yeah, properly off the rails episode because we're missing our dad, Trey Cryan. <laughs> All right, y'all. That was episode 26 of the Long Game Dynasty podcast. We'll see you next week for Lucky 27. Peace. Goodbye.